The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. Allons-y. I'm sorry. It's French. Well, let's go. This is the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. On this podcast we travel all of time and space discussing Doctor Who in a completely random order. It's a brilliant idea. It's so simple only you could have thought of it. Oh. I'm the Doctor. These are my new best friends. It's the entire universe on Shuffle with your hosts. Eric Goldbranson. Asad Heshke. And Matthew Kressel. I'm the Doctor, and if there's one thing I can do, it's talk. There's something you better understand about me, because it's important. And one day, your life may depend on it. I am definitely a mad man with a box. Well, now we're getting somewhere. More like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. I'm Eric Branson. With me, as always, my good friend and co-host and travel companion in the TARDIS, Asad Keski. How are you tonight, Asad? Pretty good, pretty good. Greetings and felicitations, fellow travelers. Yeah. It's been a while since we've been been here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like it's... Uh, yeah, I, I've been busy, and of course, it didn't help that we picked a lengthy uh, book to review this time, so yeah, as, yeah. Uh, yeah. as it goes, it took us a little while to get through that, so... Um, I take most of the blame, so... Well, that <laughs> well, seems I, unnecessary. So, I, mean, I think we all kind of uh, took a little time on it, and by the time we finished, I'm not sure I remember how much of the beginning, which is not an yeah. <laughs> editorial on the book at all. It's just uh, right. it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it just seems like it's been a long time. So you, speaking of travels, you mentioned travels in your intro there. Um been doing a little traveling yourself recently. I know you were at the I've Gallifrey One convention made the trip recently. Trip to Gallifrey One, which is always a fantastic time, and uh, yeah, Gallifrey may have been scarred by the anti-life virus, but Gallifrey One persists. Yes. <laughs> um, any any specific highlights from the the panels you really enjoyed, or anything that um. Uh, no, as always, everything. The game shows were fun. Uh, Paul Cornell, the stuff that he runs, uh, always mm. fun. Um, I didn't, I wasn't on any panels, which was uh, a little annoying for me uh, because, and I don't know if it uh, was an issue with their software for them sending out the notification for panels or the call for panelists or if it went into my spam and I just didn't see it. Uh, yeah. So. But that's okay. I told myself that yeah, there didn't seem to be any panel that I was really interested in being on, so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it gave me more free time to just sort of uh, wander around and uh, chill and, uh, yeah. Just be a spectator this time. Yeah, huh? yeah. And, of course, I mean, the big excitement about Jodie Whittaker and uh, Chris Chibnall yeah. being there. So uh, Jodie was like, oh, the lines were like crazy, crazy, crazy. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, and so yeah. that really supports the native that narrative that all the fans hate her, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, nah. I'm sure people are able to suppress that feeling. Or yeah, uh, I sure it's, hope it's so. always she seems like always... a perfectly wonderful person. Oh yeah, so. for sure. There's absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with her, and it's uh, even more, I guess, a little more assembly line than usual because, like, the autographs were. I don't remember if it was the same with Chris Eccleston, but like the autographs were all like not personalized or anything. It was just you yeah. stepped up and got the signature and 
keep it moving. <laughs> so. Yeah, you don't get you don't get that little you know yeah, micro yeah. conversation that you get at a lot of them, which is yeah. which is great. I mean, that's one of the perks. But yeah, yeah. But uh, so yeah, it was great. Uh, Chris Chibnall, I guess his sessions went uh, really well. I mean, I've not been his biggest uh, booster, so I didn't uh, attend them myself. But uh, yeah. it sounds like it all went pretty good. I did listen to well, his uh, interview, or I guess I read the transcript uh, that he did with um, uh, Radio Free Scaro, and uh, it was uh, interesting because it didn't talk about, I guess, stories and whether he what he feels may have been missed or this. It was a lot more about just the background about how it was made and uh, some of his ideas and general thoughts, and uh, that I found that more interesting than I would have than. Uh, I think yeah. he had been talking about the him, stories like, themselves. Editorialize on his own work. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah. So, and yeah. but it sounds like he had a really good time. And uh, my biggest good. fear of somebody being totally obnoxious with him did apparently did not come to pass, which is I'm glad. Thank I, heavens. Nobody deserves <laughs> so, that, whether you're no, a fan no, not or not. At all. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you know, he's a fan. I mean, who am I to say he's not a fan? Yeah. He's a fan. He's got his ideas. I didn't agree with his ideas, but. It is what it is. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, no, and then you can't take that away from him. He's definitely a Doctor Who fan and yeah, has yeah. been for most yeah. of his life, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're all at another uh, great convention and uh, looking forward to next year and seeing what uh, what comes up next, next time. Yeah. What One of these years, I'm, I'm going to make it out there. So, <laughs> yes. Fingers crossed. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so usually do a little bit of news on top of these shows i i don't know if i have anything specific that i was going to bring i mean i've seen seeing the odd production photo here and there i think we saw a alternative costume um for shooty got was 15th yes. doctor yeah. just recently um i don't know if you're everyone out there is into the uh i don't know i have a weird opinion about whether stuff officially released by the channel is actually spoilers or not but i know some people don't like to see it um I generally don't mind <laughs> as long as it's not, you know, any big, you know, dropping right. any big bombs. But yeah, so. I mean, I certainly don't mind seeing uh, costumes and stuff. Yeah. So, I don't um, think there was anything in the pictures that revealed, well, anything. <laughs> so. No, not at all. <laughs> no, they, they do a pretty good job of controlling it at the end of the day, before it airs. After it airs, their their control of everything is just terrible. So right, it's like right, they don't yeah. they don't realize that there's time zones on the on the planet. But yeah. you know, so anyway, <laughs> um, is there any Doctor Who news or anything going on that uh, you're aware of or anything that you? Got you excited? So. Mm, I should have been paying more attention. Um, I don't yeah, I think feel like I, I been there's anything. Yeah, I don't think there's anything uh, new. But you were, well, like you were saying, I guess the, the 14th Doctor adventures have started. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, Doctor <laughs> Who magazine is running a, a comic strip called The Liberation of the Daleks that is the official first adventure of David Tennant's 14th Doctor. So. So, I didn't um, even know that was going on. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I I didn't really catch on until I started picking just just flipping through because I felt was just like criminally behind on my Doctor mm -hmm. Who magazine and yeah. went whoa for it, there's David Tennant Doctor. So yeah, it's uh, then read a little bit about it and yeah, it's uh, tied in right to the TV show and it's gonna lead supposedly lead right into 
the uh, specials. I'm sure in a way they do. They're very careful about making not making the tie-in material like necessary right. for right. viewing. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Um, but yeah, it's a 13-part adventure that supposedly is going to. And I think the clever. I think they're trying to be clever with the, there being 13, and then the 14th thing <laughs> is the episode. But yeah, so that's. And uh, Russell Davies is is involved with it some way. I don't think he's writing it, but he's a little busy right now. But um, but yeah, he is uh, overseeing all of that stuff. So yeah, he's always he's a busy, had a busy man. Yeah. <laughs> he's always had a pretty strong relationship with Doctor Who magazine and yeah, Big Finish and all these things. So yeah, yeah, so he wrote cool. a big tribute in the most recent issue, which I haven't read yet. I just flipped through it this morning, but a uh, big tribute to Elizabeth Sladen and and Sarah Jane Smith as a character and uh yeah kind of recounting his time working with her on school reunion and and such so um yeah that's uh so i gotta i gotta catch up with reading those things one of these days but yeah past month i've been busy reading other (laughs) things like the book then (laughs) Uh, yeah any i was anything else that you've been watching or reading doctor who wise that uh listening to i suppose that um yeah, you've enjoyed no, or no. deserves mentioning i've been uh i was catching up a little bit with the tom baker finished uh, robots of death and i i need to get mm-hmm. back to like writing my that i was doing for a while just writing about the stories after i saw them that's my writing is really yeah. falling behind and um what else i've been yeah. trying to catch up with for all mankind and uh tony current point turned up in one episode so that was an unexpected ah, yeah. uh, surprise <laughs> so yeah, it's always fun when uh, uh, Doctor Who actors poke pop up in things, and yes. um, especially some of the like obviously like our the the big stars or the, especially in the modern show, many of them have gone on to be like big leading star actors now. But it's it's especially fun when one of the like supporting cast characters or somebody that's been at TARDIS and some of the conventions that right. you've gotten to, you know, yeah, chat yeah. with yeah. a little bit. And then they pop up in a TV show and it's totally unexpected. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know them. Something <laughs> else know? to talk about yeah. with him or her whenever they turn up at a yeah. next convention. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. So it was it was even kind of fun. Like, and obviously it's on Doctor Who, but in the Power of the Doctor episode, you know, it's the first time I'd seen, uh, probably all of us have seen something new with like, you know, Tegan and Ace since since we've right. been at conventions and gotten to actually chat with Janet Fielding and Sophie right. Aldred. And it's kind of like, kind of gives us a whole new level of like, oh, that's really cool. Because, you know, gives us, I don't know. Anyway, it's yeah. just, just a fan thing. I think that little moment of, hey, I've. I've had my five minutes with that person. That's cool. So, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we should probably jump in. Oh, I was going to ask you one more thing, and it's who related. So, uh, you know, we'll take the time here. But I happened to watch the um, re- real time movie, uh, their first uh, short fan film, uh, Wartime. Uh, I don't know if you okay. have you ever seen or are you familiar, familiar? I'm familiar with, with that? it, but I have not okay. seen it. It's uh, it's interesting. I I had the DVD I picked up at Chicago Tardis a few years back, and for some reason it just sat on the shelf like I don't know, like things do. And right. uh, finally got around to watching it. I wanted to kind of catch up on watching some of those obscure things that I bought spinoffs and such. And um, yeah, I just I just wondered you being a I know you're a big Unit fan. Whether yeah, you yeah. Checked that out or not? Um, yeah, I mean, I know John it's, Levine. It's, and, yeah. 
Yeah, it's certainly worth a watch. The special features um, on the special edition of the DVD that that Real Time put out um, are, is, is probably a bit more interesting than the actual film is at this point. But <laughs> but it's fun. The whole thing's fun. It's a really really good fan film, and you can tell made by people that you know really okay. care about the subject material. Um, whether it's my favorite, you know, story right. or, or not, I'm not sure. But I think it's cool to get, you know, John Levine. They got John Levine out of retirement to right. do that. So well, there's a novelization um, out there, so. and uh, yeah, I do yeah. see the DVDs uh, off and on at uh, the conventions. So maybe I should yeah, just pick it up bad. next time I see it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely worth checking out. I've, 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 and I've seen Downtime, which is the late their later like feature length, right. um, you know, spinoff, and that's you know for what it is is very impressive the like scale of that they um to make a feature length uh fan film like that and get all the basically a lot of you know the whole, almost the whole cast is doctor who alum and yeah it's right. it, it's kind of cool yeah so. and that novelization yeah. was written by mark platt so that's uh, yeah quite a pedigree yeah. especially and i guess they have the quite a neat little scene in uh, the novelization which i don't think is might not have been in the movie where Group Captain Gilmore and Lethbridge Stewart are <laughs> having a meeting about <laughs> their setting up of unit and all that oh, stuff. Oh yeah, Some of the <laughs> I don't remember if that's been too long since I've seen group. it, but yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah, I remember it being a, like a, fu- a fun spinoff. So those are the two of theirs I've seen. So probably have to check out anything else I can get my hands on because it's they're <laughs> they're fun. So, um. Yeah, so that was really, I've listened to a couple of good, um, just would give the thumbs up to a couple of uh, Big Finish audios that I heard recently. Um, I, I will point everybody listening to um, more comprehensive reviews of these by Matthew Kressel, uh, either via his Facebook uh, page or the um, blog that he writes for. Um, Oh gosh, I'll have to punch in what the name of that is <laughs> in editing here because I'm it's blank I'm blanking on it. But uh, Doctor Who: The Third Adventures Kaleidoscope. I know he wrote a review of that. Um, heard that recently. It's very good. I enjoyed it a lot. So again, you're I would recommend it to you for sure. Um, being uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's it's a fun one. Um, uh. And then the Doctor Who Unbound, Doctor of War, um, the Colin Baker Unbound one that came uh, out okay. recently. I think we talked about it briefly when Matthew was on, and then I I listened to it a second time, and it, it grew on me quite a bit. I, I liked it fine the first time, but I really enjoyed It's a pretty intensely, um, oh, I was going to say intensely weird. It's 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 like the timiest, <laughs> wimiest thing I think I've ever heard, and so I think it grows on you the second time a little bit because you could follow along, when possible, a little bit better, but... Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that on the second listen, but but that's been it. That's been my Doctor Who. Besides the book we're about to talk about for recently, I think I did finish uh, <laughs> listening to the uh, Big Finish uh, unit uh, stories. Um, I haven't gotten to the. Uh, I mean, they did eight volumes, and I guess now they've come out with two volumes of uh, Nemesis. So I haven't mm-hmm. heard those, but I've heard everything else up to the point, and. Some of it was good. Some of it was not so good. So I've kind yeah. of. Uh... <laughs> it's uh, yeah, my, my big finish listening is very sporadic compared to what it used to be. I'll, you know, 
grab I'll I get their emails or whatever and I'll see something like like oh this looks good or honestly like I'll read one of Matthew's right. <laughs> reviews of something he really enjoys and I'll add that to the wish list and um yeah so I mean, listening to other audiobooks just takes up because like cuz listening to the wheel of time books as audiobooks oh, and like yeah. each one is like 25 to 30 hours it's like <laughs> yep <laughs> it's, yeah it takes up it's a lot actually of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kept me away from starting that series because I'm like, oh, there's how many books? And oh, they're all how long? Like, And yeah, I, I, I consume most of my stuff via audiobook these days. Uh, so yeah, I, I haven't started on that even though I've been interested. But, well. Yeah, we can discuss that in more detail at some point. <laughs> yes, yeah. Let's... And now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out. They all say who collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With a popular feature like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, there's a lot of fun to be had. We're available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Police Box in a Junkyard podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Police Box in a Junkyard podcast on the Direction Point Podcast Network. I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Police Box in a Junkyard. Are you ready to travel through time with us? Then check out Traveling the Vortex, a Doctor Who podcast. For nearly seven years and more than 500 episodes, we've traveled from one end of the vortex to the other, making different stops with different doctors, reviewing everything from TV stories to audio plays, from books to comics, and more. Sean, Keith, and Glenn take you on a journey through 50-plus years of Doctor Who episodes and spinoff materials. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to check us out. And now, we're a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. You're listening to Police Box and the Junkyard Podcast. suppose we should uh, yeah jump into discussing the the book at hand and that is the doctor who the handbook the first doctor 
and this covers the William Hartnell years, 1963 to 1966. And of course, this is the um, paperback uh, published originally by Virgin Books by David J. Howe, Mark Stammers, and uh, Stephen James Walker. Um, it is a nonfiction um, handbook or reference book that covers the, the first years of the show, so the first uh, three seasons of the show. And yeah, so this was an... And early, and I know there were some behind-the-scenes books that came out prior to this. There were some even published by Target and such. But these handbooks, I think, um, were among some of the early, like, collected volumes of, like, deep-dive production diary type, right. um, you know, uh, really in-depth behind-the-scenes coverage of all of this stuff. And Yeah, it's they a 1994, are... and this was before everybody was writing the their analyses and their reviews yeah. and <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's really when you say like oh it's a you know it's got an episode guide and it's got a production diary and um i think it and i don't know i wasn't there in the fandom in 1994 to to tell you this but i feel like kind of looking at like what was you know in my collection of like older books what was around at the time that this was uh, you know at least one of only a few books that right. really dove in to to the details in this way i think now they're and it's not not that any of them are, are poor. I have enjoy. I I actually have a great collection of kind of refer, Doctor Who reference books. And someday enjoy I may read. All, but yeah. <laughs> um, but I think they are a bit of a. Yeah, no, I don't want to say a dime a dozen, but there's there's a lot of options at this point if you yep. want analysis and you want the production details and. Um, I feel like this was a little bit more of a first, even though it probably wasn't the first, quote unquote. But right. um, especially when you consider, and we'll get into this a little more as we start to talk about it, but you consider the level of detail that they right. had collected here. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's a... I mean, I think they if were anybody's like familiar with... What's up? I was saying that, like, they had those... Uh, I guess Peter Haining had a couple of those big, lavishly <laughs> illustrated ones, and... Yeah, I got was, a couple of those, the key to time one, and there's a 30th the anniversary, anniversary celebration. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, there's the making of Doctor Who from um, by Hulk and Dix, and mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know how much else there was out at that uh, at that time for yeah. To I mean, study. that's the that's the early one I always think of is the Malcolm Hulk and Terrence Dix book, the making of Doctor Who. Right. Um, which is a pretty slight volume, <laughs> especially in comparison to this one, because this is only the, the first three years of the show and it's, uh, right. <laughs> you know, quite dense. So, um, so I broke it down a little bit and just trying to come up with a way to a effective way to kind of talk about a book like this. I broke it down into sections because the book is broken down into to sections this way. And, uh, it starts off with some like biographical information about, uh, William Hartnell in his own words and then a section um, with his uh, with reaction of his co-stars and people that worked with him right. um, kind of in their own words about the, the era of Doctor Who and um, I found it very interesting and I don't know I, I, like I said this stuff's been collected you know so many times and in, in different books and, and edited and you know whatever in different ways I, I did find this interesting. I don't think I've ever heard William Hartnell in his own words talk about the show 
and even his career at length the way it's collected here. Like it is snippets from multiple different interviews and, and it's kind of just nicely put together, but it does actually form like a pretty nice lengthy bit of, in his own words, autobiographical section of the book. And right. um, I'm not sure if I've ever heard him and then heard him obviously <laughs> not really, but like uh, read anything where he spent some time reflecting on the show and talking about what the show like meant to him. And um, he's always been a little bit of a more, I don't want to say maybe mythological character in a way, but like he's, he's got his perceptions of like what kind of a person he was or this or that. And uh, I think um, it's nice to hear, it's nice to hear it in his own words. So that's the name of the, the section. But what did you think about it? Yeah, <laughs> first, no, uh... I think like some of the things, a couple of things maybe that I'd read before, but for the most part, a lot of it was new. I think a lot of the stuff that you think about William Hartnell is what other people have said about him or from uh, an adventure in time and space. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, so, yeah. I was going to feel like the Mark Gatiss movie, The Adventure in Time and Space, is probably uh, is, is where the majority of us are probably getting most of our information. And that, you know, it's, it's not that it should have been, you know, necessarily 100% accurate because it is a docudrama. And I think they, they went after invoking, you know, kind of an emotion about it, a nostalgia right. kind of uh, thing. And not that they, I don't think they were like ever deliberately un- inaccurate, but. Um, yeah, I did, did reading kind of it in his own words, then through through the words of people that worked with him as well. Sure. Um, and you got this. This book is great uh, because it doesn't necessarily shy away from the people who had some stronger opinions about, about oh, working yeah, no, with no. him. It was all it was all in there. So yeah, that, um, definitely. Yeah, it's a good thing did, that they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Did it? Did any of this or anything in, in anybody's reflections about the show in the first first years? Did it change any of the perceptions you had about William Hartnell, or was there anything that surprised you? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, again, you just sort of have heard about him being a little crotchety at times, and uh, about his uh, forgetfulness with lines, and uh, mm-hmm. I guess some of his uh, attitudes maybe a little old-fashioned or office time as one might yeah. choose to call it say it but on other people having totally different and uh, delightful experiences with him so just uh, yeah. i guess a human being like uh, <laughs> the rest of us <laughs> like any other uh, yeah he uh i was surprised that um waris hussein had such nice things to say about him <laughs> um just and, and, I don't know. Perhaps their working relationship was very good, but just uh, you know, being a right. uh, an openly gay man of color in the 1960s, which first of all was a brave you know p- place to be for for Waris Hussein in in general, but right. um, for him to have such a warm working relationship with William Hartnell t- makes me pause a little bit with like maybe maybe we've been a little hard on old Bill, uh, <laughs> you know. But I don't know. You also I mean, hear some some horror stories about sure. it as well. So, but I mean, it's but like also, you said, I mean, people people yeah, are he was complex, also having like it's not... issues with memory or early dementia yeah. and stuff that can also make them frustrated and the stress of making the show because it sounds like it was a much more stressful than his previous uh, filming experiences. So, mm-hmm. it's a 
Yeah, and suddenly being a bit of a star too. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind. Of, it's uh, sweet that I guess. And I don't know how much of it, of course, later on it becomes more his retrospective and uh, sort of mm-hmm. changing narratives in his own mind a little bit about how much he enjoyed children being the focus of children. But yeah. on the other hand, maybe I'm just being overly cynical. There's no need for me to be cynical <laughs> about it. I yeah. don't know what's yeah. going on. He may have always I... wanted to be a, a children's idol and uh, he became one towards the latter part of his life. So good for him. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a case of where I think both versions are kind of true. Like, I do think he he himself was very into, you know, that was very important to him that it be a children's show. And he was very interested in, you know, being that kind of icon for those, for, for the kids. And, uh, and I think they're, you know, that part of it is very kind of heartwarming. And then I also think that, you know, the opposite is true, <laughs> that he was probably very difficult to work with because he was having those health problems and... He did have some old-fashioned, even in you know, even in the nineteen sixties, old-fashioned opinions about people and how things should be, and that's sure. you know, so. The, but yeah, he's human, you know. That's. <laughs> I think there's also um, there's something about wasn't he like? Didn't he also suggest at some point about also coming back as the son of Doctor Who or something? Did I read that here? <laughs> There was a story, yeah, and I have to like reach for the memory here. So anybody listening that wants to correct me, feel free. But I believe there was a story where they were going to write in uh, the Doctor travels with. I don't remember if this was the Ian Barber era or later on with uh, like Peter Purvis and Maureen O'Hara. Um, but the at some point was going to travel back to his home planet. It wouldn't have been called Gallifrey yet, but. Um, and have some sort of a falling out slash battle with his villainous son, which would also be played by William Hartnell. And I think William Hartnell really liked the idea of doing that. Almost, it would almost have been a kind of a situation like, like Pactor Troughton got to do with playing Salamander and, you know, like get to play the villain and the, and the hero at the same time. And, uh, I think he got a kick out of that idea, but, uh, so yeah, he really pushed for it and it didn't end up coming to to be in and, and obviously feel free and anyone write in and correct me on the details of that but it's something along those lines i believe um so there that's one thing that this book has is it has it has details so yep. <laughs> to up to the, yeah uh which is which is fantastic i mean that's exactly what it's supposed to supposed to do so um i feel i should have read so. it tried to read it again before recording this <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're not, you know, we're, we're reviewing yes. a historical text. We're not expected to be historians. That's what I keep telling myself. So it's, uh, um, but yeah, so I, nothing like I did the question I posed to you, I suppose I'll answer as well, but nothing really was, a um, like a revelation here, but, um, I thought it was a nice collection of, of memories and thoughts from, from both William Hartnell himself and, and other people involved with the show at the time, uh, about the era and, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think the thing that I was most impressed with is that I, it was just nice to have a collected piece, even though you know, kind of whittled together, but a collected right. piece of autobiography or autobiography of from William Hartnell, which yes. was nice. So, yeah. um, the second section uh, called "The Doctor" talks about some of the uh, early incarnations of the character, the show, and some of the things that. And kind of its evolution up to the final p- 
pitch or right. anything that kind of um it uh originally conceived as everybody probably knows from the film and other reading that you've done originally conceived by Sidney Newman and a writer named C.E. Weber which by the way was a new name to me I've never heard this name um yeah. associated with Doctor Who before because he, he kind of dropped out early but helped Sidney Newman develop a couple of drafts of a, of a one page pitch or whatever for the show um, some, of, some of his ideas make it all the way through to the final final draft so why he's been kind of cut, cut out of history as far as I, I know is kind of odd but I right. yeah, that's yeah, really all I know really about him but... talk too much about Anthony Coburn either <laughs> yeah Anthony <laughs> Coburn um you know, uh, and and uh, as we get into the production of the show, but I was really amazed how um, integral uh, David Whitaker was to oh, it. I know he was yeah. kind of the showrunner and the script editor, but like, just his name was like on everything. He was kind of involved in every piece of the puzzle there for a while. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, but yeah. So the the character of the Doctor and and his traveling companions obviously changed through through many drafts, and they kind of kind of hone in on what exactly they want the show to be um so that's kind of interesting you get to read a couple of uh versions of that and then some some details on even some further ones that may not exist in their whole text or whatever but it's interesting um, that like they really thought seem to have fleshed out a lot about what the character of the doctor will be like what his background is and there are certainly some things that came up in uh, later on as well like that he's like 700 years old or 650 years old and mm-hmm. um but then i i mean it's i mean they developed all the background but they never used any of it i mean yeah. uh, they even like sometimes you know sometimes they'd be implying that he was a human from the future and sometimes they'd be implying that he's from a different planet um yep. So well, and I think as as they rolled into production, for some reason, they didn't require their writers to kind of stick to that initial idea of what yeah. they... Um, the thing that's interesting to me is, like, it, if you try to think about, well, what remains from that original pitch, it, it, you know, of the Doctor once the show get, kind of gets rolling, or even, like, all the way to today, and I think it's that kind of, you know, alien renegade or alien runaway <laughs> from, a, from his society, because... That was always there. I know, uh, you know, Terrence Dix gets a lot of credit for inventing a lot of the um, the lore uh, later on um, in the second Doctor era and into the into the third um, about Gallifrey and what that is and Time Lords and and such. But the um, I think the the bones of all of that. It's interesting that it's actually right there in these early pitches. Oh yeah, like. Yeah. It's uh, they don't name the planet and they don't have a specific they don't have the specifics there, but like the the ideas are there like he's, you know, 700 years old and he's a runaway from an alien planet. And it's like, well, it's all there, even though late throughout the William Hartnell era, we'll kind of play with that idea and, right. and, and kind of lean one way or the other of whether that's the truth. But um, yeah, so it's so I feel like those those ideas and the things that are kind of quintessential to the show were. It's very interesting to me that even in those earliest drafts are like right there. So, yeah, yeah, no, so. yeah. They, they kept those notes handy and just yeah. sort of pulled them out uh, once in a while for, uh, yeah, because I guess Patrick Troughton, I guess, makes it more implicit that he is uh, from an alien world. Yes, uh, yeah. So. 
Yep, until they get in, you know, the end of his, uh, the end of his run, and they kind of drop the whole right <laughs> whole bomb on you. So, <laughs> I I always found it an interesting twist that they give you all of that backstory, and then they drop the Doctor on Earth for the next trip. <laughs> but yeah, yeah true. No, <laughs> didn't think about that. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that, that that's a fun section. It's just kind of cool to like kind of flip through and and see those kind of initial versions. You get you get your, and I think everyone who's who's even even down to seeing like the original the way the original pilot went versus the first episode of uh, the Artly Child that actually went out on the air. Right. Um, kind of the changes in the character of the Doctor because there's some versions of this where he's he's almost villainous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he, he's very like, um, you know, Dr. Smith from Lost in Space, you know, he's always kind of plotting and, um, and every once in a while that the William Hartnell doctors, you could see a little bit of that in him still, but for the most part, he's, he's softened up into the more grandfatherly first doctor that we get to know right. uh, later on in his run. Once he finds out that humans are trustworthy, you know, so. <laughs> but, yeah. um, yeah, so the, the Dr. Smith, I guess, uh. And I haven't really ever bothered to see Lost in Space, but uh, I used to read a lot of Starlog and all those things. So mm-hmm. I think I did read one interview with the actor who did complain that, like, in his uh, first one or two episodes, Dr. Smith was actually, like, evil and karate chopping people. And, you know, and then <laughs> after a few episodes, he just became this, uh, well, moron. <laughs> I don't know. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Comedy he was always <laughs> kind of up to no good, but at the same time, yeah. he was kind of an ally. Yeah, I don't know. He was kind of the bad guy that wasn't really a bad guy. He was like an untrustworthy friend. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> always hung out with the kid. <laughs> Just kind of weird, but I don't know. I've only, I only remember seeing episode, reruns of Lost in Space, like, I don't know if it was Sci-Fi Channel, something on cable when I was a kid, and uh, I enjoyed it kind of but yeah it was it's a it's an odd show it's it's okay it's very very episodic very of its era i don't know if it how how it would play nowadays but yeah didn't uh, quite hold up as well as uh, doctor who <laughs> or star trek right <laughs> so. yeah yeah these those are two shows i think that have the something special that has made them yeah survive but many other sci-fi shows have not stood the test of time but um so yeah, next the next section of the book is uh, a kind of a viewing guide. So uh, like we, I'm sure if you're if you're a Doctor Who fan, um, and and maybe you're not into collecting books, but if you have any Doctor Who books on your shelf, most likely there's at least one episode guide of some sort. Uh, and we get another one here that runs through with um, thoughts and reviews and some comments from cast and crew of each one of the William Hartnell stories in order. Right. And I have to say, I, I don't have a much much to say about this. It's a it's an episode guide. Um, I think it's a good one. Like it's got a lot of good details, and I, I generally feel like their take on the episodes is pretty, you know, um, and tasted. You know, everything's it's objective, but like uh, taste is. Um, I feel like my taste is kind of in line with. I don't know. I guess I I, I agree and disagree with some of them. So that's as <laughs> that's as wishy washy as I'm going to be. But they didn't um, like the savages much, and I confess I kind of enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, there was a <laughs> that few one. that they were a little hard on that I was like, eh, you know. Um, and I feel like some of these early episode guide books kind of shaped. Uh, and not that I don't think, not that I'm going to say like. 
I'm going to go on record saying that Who fans don't have their own opinions about things, but I feel like some of these <laughs> early episode guide books kind of shaped what we have, like, fan fan belief systems about certain episodes being good or bad or uh, whatever, because this, this one kind of goes right down the lines of the ones that you've always heard are bad or really panned in this, and then the ones that you've always heard are good, um, with a couple of exceptions. Um they write just a glowing review of the uh what are they the in the spaceship episodes of edge of darkness and uh what is it edge of, edge edge of destruction, destruction sorry yeah. and um yeah whatever the second one of those is is called um the, the yeah the third doctor who story and uh that's one that i feel like i personally thought it was it was is a fairly okay episode middle of the road but um i hear a lot of people pan that one pretty badly yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think it was but, it's pretty interesting i thought well again yeah like you said everybody's got their thoughts about it yeah it's anyway different it, it considering great, it's but... and it's pretty early in the <laughs> show mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so Especially no it's a, it's a fun it's a, <laughs> yeah it's a fun episode guide and i feel like there it's got some good uh some good criticism good reviews in there so um if you uh, are going to do a watch through of the Hartnell era, this would be a good good book to uh, grab to kind of read along as you're doing that, and so get some some details. Um, anything else you want to add about the the episode guide part? I wasn't really going to spend a lot of time on it because it kind of is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, no, I mean some of the quotations and all are fun, but. And some of the details that they give are interesting, but but yeah, so it's a good uh, episode guide and pretty uh, concise. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they have some good thoughts on a bunch of this, and I'm kind of flipping through. So um, yeah, they give you a lot. You know, run down some of the facts. They give you some quotes from people, and they'll give you a little out of ten review, and you know, some comments about it. And, right. Yeah, their reviews are, are definitely a little more substantial. I started off with the, um, it was called like the unofficial Doctor Who episode guide or something like that, and uh, he had a lot of really great, and I'm forgetting the author's name at the moment, but he had a lot of really great facts about the show, but his reviews were always like, it was like, he would give it like one sentence and a score, and it's like, well, I don't, <laughs> that's not enough information for me, I want to know why you didn't like something, or why you liked it, or yeah, so... Anyway, but yeah, these are good. Um, the next section is of the book is called Establishing the Myth. Uh, it's a short section, um, but it's uh, kind of goes over how the original uh, or the first three seasons or the, uh, of the show kind of developed the myth of Doctor Who as in, you know, the, the core concepts of the show and how they would grow uh, into you know, what came after. Right. And I feel like this one, this is a couple, there's a couple sections in this book. I feel like they could have maybe taken some of the page count and made this a little bit more, um, dedicated a few more words to this versus, uh, other places. But, um, yeah, this is cool because they really do point out again, like, like we talked about earlier with the doctor section that, um, obviously that the William Hartnell era is crucial because it's the first, you know, doctor, so they're going to be setting up, you know, the main puzzle pieces of the show. But um, 
I think it's interesting that, that so much of the mythology is is here. I think later we get names, we get we get name things named, and we get arrows pointed to where and when and why. But right, um, it's interesting how much of the mythology is right here in those first even few episodes of the show. Um, yeah, it's a it's kind of cool. Would you would you have any thoughts about the? The myth section, I think it was... It's uh, interesting. I mean, they do cover, like, all the... And I guess, again, since it's the early days, some of the contradictions and things that uh, start uh, popping up, like, uh, I guess, right from the beginning, that uh, about Susan naming the TARDIS. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but I agree that it... Uh, although, I mean, if they had expanded, I don't know how much more they would have said a lot of it is like the base various conflicting uh, information that uh, comes yeah. up so uh, but I'll uh, have to agree with you about uh, how much of the building blocks that they brought back uh, later when they decided to I guess formalize the mythology a little more mm-hmm. so yeah I think um, <laughs> you brought up the, the Susan naming the TARDIS thing it's a always kind of a bit of funny th- thought like that uh you know when susan named the tardis she must have sent a message back to gallifrey to tell everybody there right. to t- call them that so <laughs> but <laughs> so. but yeah no it's a it's it's cool it, yeah and i think it's it's obviously if you're going to write a book on the first doctor era you kind of have to have a discussion about this thing uh what i didn't go and check out was other volumes of of the handbook series right. and see if they all have these same sections right because if, if they do that'd be kind of cool to follow like um just the establishing the myth section and read kind of read those through uh also uh, telos has uh who has the rights to this now obviously through through david howe probably being the author um has repackaged and published all of these handbooks in like a two volume like big book set oh, okay um and i'm not sure if they kind of tie all this stuff together or if they keep it separated i haven't i haven't had a chance to look through those i, ha- I have a couple of their um uh repackaged uh versions of some of the old paperbacks that they published but not that i don't have the handbook ones so okay i'll have to um, look that yeah. up <laughs> yeah i still have just my little uh paperback of the first doctor one now so <laughs> um yeah so that brings us to like what the the bulk of this book is is uh the production diary so this is kind of a walkthrough of everything you've ever wanted to know and a lot of things you may not have wanted to know about the, <laughs> about the production of Doctor Who in its first three years. And this one, I, I'll admit, did take me a little while to get through. It's probably the hardest part of re, uh, of the book to read. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not saying that in a way to detract from it because I'm very, very impressed with it um, because it's just such a well-put-together um, portrait of you know, the production of the show, it kind of walks you through every little thing. And I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure if you go back and see all the research they had to do to put this book together, I'm sure they, they think they've given us a very, very, you know, <laughs> cliff notes version of this, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, I found it really, really enlightening the, the amount of stuff or times that these, this show was not on steady feet. Right. Like the way I've always heard this story told is, um, 
you know, Sidney Newman comes up with this idea, you know, it's kind of handed off to Verity Lambert and David Whitaker, and they kind of play with the play with it and develop it into the show that they make, you know, at first it's supposed to be kind of a children's educational show, and pretty quickly it kind of, you know, through the popularity of the Daleks and Dalek mania taking off in the UK kind of turns into this, um, you know, phenomenon and, you know, voila, Doctor Who, and, um, that's not necessarily the case <laughs> that, you know, that, that we, when you find out and start reading kind of the minutia of what's going on right. in the production offices behind the scenes is this show is kind of teetering on the edge of cancellation or not being continued for most of the time that William Hartnell was the doctor. Yeah, so, for sure. Most of the, yeah, yeah. a lot of times <laughs> when they're talking about, well, if we're not going to be making more episodes. We need to commit now, otherwise we may as well just wrap it up in another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they had trouble because of, I mean, because of the fact that the, the BBC or the head offices were so kind of wishy-washy with, are we going to do it? Are we not going to do it? You know, can you get your budgets right. down? Can you, you know, uh, they had they were having trouble hanging on to their cast, so then they'd have to go into negotiations with you know the cast and get on the phone with uh, William Russell and uh, Jaclyn Hill's agents, and you know they'd have to make a deal. Yeah. <laughs> there were deals going on, and and it it sounded like it was a pretty tense environment in a lot of times that you know like we're making these shows we're fighting to keep them in this budget and we're not sure if we're going to make the next set of shows so but you have to kind of keep everybody um happy at the same time and keep our talent and, yeah, like, and it seems like a couple uh, of times like uh, people at the executives at the bbc were off on vacations so it was difficult to get <laughs> commitments about what's going mm-hmm. to happen next so. yeah uh, yeah, it's um, it's funny. The this is I, I brought this up earlier, but this is also the section where it kind of emerged that um, what a force or a primary force that Dave Whitaker was behind right. um, Doctor Who, and obviously you know his name from uh, if you follow the Target books, you wrote a few of those. Um, also, if um, as being the show's first um, script editor and. It, I think it's it's often kind of like insinuated that the script editor position evolved into more of a, a showrunner type situation because we had obviously Cindy Newman at the top of the tree. You had Verity, Lam- Verity Lambert as the producer on the show that was um, kind of running things. And I, I've always been impressed with her as kind of a historical character. Yeah. And I get a kick out of her if you've ever seen interviews <laughs> with her as well. She's... Um, just a very, very impressive person. Also, just just the simple fact of what she was like a young woman run essentially right. running this the show at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very, very cool story. Um, and but yeah, David Whitaker. I don't like reading through this. It's like whoa, he's he's literally doing everything from a writing from the right at least from the writing standpoint he's not just script editing he's like doing rewrites on everything he's he's like coaching his writers into like, uh, finishing scripts on time you know kind of yeah. uh yeah i mean I, I suppose that's probably you're probably i'm probably more impressed just because i'm getting an impression of what the life of a script editor is really like it's probably pretty normal but <laughs> um, well, i mean i I, yeah. I do I do think there have been some changes at the BBC about the what showrunner, script editor, all those uh, things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, 
a lot of people, I mean, like Sidney Newman didn't really have all that much to do with Doctor Who apart from no, <laughs> coming up with apart the from, idea of it. <laughs> yeah, coming up with the idea. He also, I think, did something very it, important but... for the show. Yeah, he was a major cheerleader for the show. He pushed for it, and I think he kept, like, the bigwigs happy about it. Like, he yeah. kept the money flowing. Um, <laughs> you know, as much as it did, because they kept the... It just seems like if you watch, like, in that section, like, because they're always having budget discussions, which obviously right. you have to if you're uh, producing a show, but it's it seemed to be a major constraint for that show, like, staying on budget. Now, you hear people laugh and, and poke fun at some of the older special effects, but, like, these... They were... Uh, they were on meager budgets even for the time, yeah, and to be able to yeah, I find yeah. it. I've always find that quite unfair to be mocking yeah. it for that. I think That's they it. really did some great. Not everything's great, but I think they really did this. The kind of concept of you know old Doctor Who is just you know silly tinfoil and bubble wrap, and and it it's not untrue because it's there. But like there are also some moments that if. You know, all things considered, they pulled off some really great stuff for, oh, yeah, no, for not absolutely. a whole lot of money. So, I think um, uh, there's a new. Uh, I guess you'd probably be interested in looking up the the biography of David Whittaker. Just came out by Simon Guerrier. I don't know oh, okay. if I'm pronouncing yeah. that right, but uh, Guerrier. Yeah. yeah, I think so. you're. I think you're close. Yeah. <laughs> so that uh, would be, would be something to check out. Yeah, I, 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 after reading this, I'm very interested, and and it's, it's not like I didn't. I feel feel like I, I obviously realized that he was, you know, that he was an important player. Just like after reading this, it's like wow, <laughs> he's he's one of there's like three people like keeping the lights on on Doctor Who, and he was definitely one of them. Like, so. Yeah, it was a. It's a. It's a great read, and this is a very different kind of read than. Um, you know, watching the the Mark Gatiss film, right. uh, Adventure in Space and yeah, Time, yeah. they're tell they're technically both telling the same story, but you're getting a little bit more of the. So a little more know. nuts and bolts to it. Yeah, although at times I think it you're... becomes like uh, several entries, which is basically just uh, well, film this episode, and it cost uh, two thousand pounds, and then we film yeah. part film part three, and that cost. 1900 pounds <laughs> you do have to realize yeah it is a production diary so you get a lot of that like little you know the little details but um i think once you're once you're done with it and you kind of think about like the the, the story of the show that you've been told through that it's 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 kind of cool um i think it's definitely worth the you know i don't i don't want to say it's a slog to get through it because it's it's because that sounds negative. I don't want right. to be negative about it because I really appreciate what this is and I really appreciate what I got out of it. It's uh, it's cool. It's a, it's a great reference and especially if um, if you're interested in behind the scenes stuff on Doctor Who, it's probably the best bit yeah, I mean, that I've read on, on yeah. the 60s show. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it's not a page turner and it's not right. meant to be a page turner uh, but it's just got all sorts of uh, fun and uh, neat little trivia and background information and uh, you know, I guess, uh, and I mean, people had access to more primary sources, as which is getting and those people are getting fewer and fewer on the yep. ground as time goes on. So, yeah, uh, we uh, still have a few of these actors with us, fortunately, and we've had the privilege of seeing a few of them at yeah. Chicago Tardis. But Peter Purvis, especially, is one that yes, um, 
Yeah. So, and and I think our uh, the Larry Van Mersbergen, who's been a guest on the show multiple times and uh, runs the uh, Direction Point Doctor Who podcast network that we're a part of, uh, just did an interview with Peter, and oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody should go out and check that out as soon as possible because it's a yeah cool opportunity to talk to somebody who was involved in the show early on like that. So. Um, any further thoughts on the production diary or? Um, no, no, it's a, it's a lot of it's interesting, interesting stuff. Yeah, and that that does take up the bulk of the book. Like most, of the page count is 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 that, and it's it's uh it's an impressive document. I think it's it's cool. If you ever really want to get a feel for what making this show, <laughs> um. Maybe not what it have been like, but what everything that went into it and <laughs> just kind of right there listed out in front of you. It's 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 cool. All right. So, um, next section is uh, from script to screen, which is an in-depth behind the scenes of a single story. So the uh, creation of the episode, the arc. Um, interesting choice. Yeah, and. <laughs> I feel like I don't know if they had a choice or they just happened to have more uh, more of a wealth of information on this or people you know writing or just talking about this, um, but I felt like maybe they picked this one because there was some uh, production uh, like snafus in there, some some costuming issues, some things that didn't go well right up until the last minute, and so it, it made for a little bit of an interesting story, but uh, mainly that the monoid costumes were supposed to be entirely different in design and they just had to kind of uh i don't remember what it was that kind of was pulled out from under them but i know that they ended up designing what the monoids ended up looking like kind of at the last minute as they were kind of starting to roll camera on a lot of it so um which may or may not show it depends on your opinion of (laughs) of the monoids but yeah it was an interesting section. I feel like it, um, I think it actually like literally retold a couple of things that they used in the arc section in the episode guide portion of the book. Um, but with a little more detail. So it was cool. I, I feel like this is a archetype for, uh, what David Howe and, um, uh, Stephen James Walker are going to go on to do with some of their other behind the scenes books, um later on so i think just that the deep dive into one single episode it's interesting that we get here um but yeah this this kind of feels like it's a snippet of something out of another book the more in depth i didn't think of it that way hmm. yeah. yeah i don't or, think anything uh, much to say about this section <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's 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 not uninteresting it's just you know, it's it's kind of there, and I'm not sure why it's just that one. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's an interesting ed- addition to this. Uh, not that it's not that it's hard to read or uninteresting to read. It just doesn't really need to be there. It doesn't really belong in the book. But yeah. it seems it is part of the first Doctor brief era for something that's <laughs> from script to screen. But yeah. Uh, yeah. on the other hand, maybe something longer would have uh, started losing the interest. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it's I feel like it's something that uh, 
is going to grow later on into something because obviously uh, David Howe is um, just getting started at this point with his, right. his con- contribution <laughs> to documenting uh, Doctor Who and, and, and his his co-author, you know, um, Stephen James Walker on, on many of his books as well. So, yeah, this is just the just the beginning for them. Um, the last part is another piece, and I know I said this earlier, it, that I feel like could have could have used a few extra pages and i know adding extra pages to the book um we that we've griped about being long is probably uh maybe not the best recommendation but the selling the doctor section and this was about um well it's about three or four different aspects of selling doctor who and that is selling the show into foreign markets like media wise but it also covers um merchandise and kind of the other things going on and Dalek toys basically lots and, of Daleks you know, so. yes <laughs> yeah um, I feel like they didn't talk a whole lot like they like talked a whole lot about the markets and sharing the show throughout the world which is obviously very important especially when we get into a discussion later on about lost episodes and etc yeah but um, all they talk about is really Australia and Canada <laughs> yeah even though it was being sold in uh well, all over the world in different packages. Mm-hmm. And uh, Doctor Who yeah, magazine I... has often had a lot of uh, articles about um, where and when it was sold and reactions and occasionally interesting stuff like, I guess, how they couldn't sell the Crusades to Middle Eastern countries <laughs> because yeah. of the subject matter. So, <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, it, it was a little brief, and I feel like I could have used a little more detail about oh well i mean about the popularity and the whole like dalek mania that kind of broke out around doctor who in the uk and um you know some right. some stuff that uh you know larry <laughs> van mersbergen has, has done in his like collecting panels like talk about some of the the old 1960s toys and stuff they barely brush you know they barely touch on that stuff so need to um, tell him to write his book <laughs> yeah i feel like he should i can't believe he's hopefully he's he is going to work on something like that at some point so if you're listening larry yeah that's what we want a book no <laughs> um yeah so that's uh i don't really have much more on it than that and that's the final section of the book and uh that is the handbook we have covered the the first doctor's era there so um I was just looking at uh, Amazon's, and uh, yeah, these reprints of the collections are uh, yeah, they're available there. It's about twenty bucks yep. for each. So yeah, and that's I think that's a a good value twenty bucks because yeah. it's like a big you know collection of all of these books in a big like large size trade paperback. And yeah, yeah. if I had seen these before, I'd probably have bought this <laughs> instead of the individual. Yeah, one. I don't. <laughs> I wasn't aware when I ordered mine either, so I think actually Matthew clued me into it first, and then I went and looked, and I was like, ah, darn it. But, <laughs> and I may still go pick those up so yeah, at yeah. some point. Put it on my list of stuff to look for at conventions. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, so overall, what are your um, just uh, overall thoughts on the book? And uh, I guess if you want to go ahead and uh, give it a grade out of... Um, what do we want to? I don't even know what to do for this. There's nothing fun or silly. To, David uh... Whitakers. How many David yeah. Whitakers? <laughs> uh, 
No, yeah, I think how many how many budget summaries? I think it's so. a great I think it's a great read. I'd give it anywhere from like a four to four point five out of five. We are doing out of five, right? Yeah, yeah out okay. of five. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, and if you are interested in reading about this background material and uh, information about how the show came to be and details and trivia, then yes, it is a four to four point five out of five. Um, if you're not interested in any of that, then uh, definitely it's a zero. <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think you make a very important distinction, and is that it's a fantastic book if this is what you're interested in reading about. Like, if you want to get into, you know, dive into the behind the scenes of Doctor Who and get get some history and a really thorough understanding of how this show was made uh, in the 1960s, I, I think this is a fantastic book. I'm gonna say. Yeah, I'm right there. I, I I probably even give this yeah four point five out of five, um, absolutely. And uh, it is um, I, I'll say at this point after giving it the review that I've I'm pretty much across the board a huge fan of uh, David J. Howe and and Stephen James Walker. Um, and I I know Mark Stammers works with them as like those three names show up on a lot of the handbooks and the the uh, but but especially Howe and and Walker just I'm just a huge fan of their nonfiction stuff like their their Doctor Who behind the scenes books and I kind of try to collect all of them so okay. <laughs> I know, and this one was did not disappoint like I feel like um it was just yeah a fantastic read if the, if that's what you're looking for I think that's the, the that's the most important yeah. thing but for me yeah 4.5 for sure it was uh it was a very rewarding read i, I should say but it would i know we kind of like you know we made, made a couple of comments about the you know very detailed production diary and stuff and maybe it may not be the most quote-unquote fun part of the book but it's just it, it the whole thing just impresses me so much the wealth of information and I can't even imagine the, the amount of research that uh, right. and collecting documents and picking through BBC logs and stuff that they probably had to do to put this book together. Yeah. So yeah, and I especially yeah. and uh, especially in the production diary sections, the uh, the more interesting sections I found were the ones that were leading up to the actual production of the show, where they were still talking, mm-hmm. discussing the things that. Actually, one thing that I saw that was interesting was that I, there was, a, and I should have made a note of it, I guess there's somebody who was discussing about how, you know, if it's a time machine, then we should do stories, we should establish like in the beginning of the, early in the show, like they, they can go to the past and they should go to the, and it's actually written in the memo that they can go to the future, perhaps witness the destruction of the earth in the far future, and that's what happened in 2005 <laughs> in episode two. Yeah. They go straight to the future and watch the destruction of the earth. So. Right. I think one of the coolest things about reading some of these behind the scenes, like memos and, and especially when they're, ta- when they're writing and kind of discussing what the show is going to be is, is that kind of stuff like that, you know, just like little things like that, that are, that didn't necessarily happen during William Hartnell's yeah. run, yeah. but you know, eventually found its way into the show and, <laughs> It's just, um, it's kind of like this is laying down the the genetic code or the DNA for what Doctor Who is, and it just kind of grows from there. So, yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's uh, 
it's a cool book. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I am not disappointed at all, even though it took us a little longer to get through this than it usually does. I'm very happy we we did it. So Have you seen uh, all the William Hartnell episodes? That are I have seen everything that exists, and if it doesn't exist, I have seen a reconstruction of it of some sort. So, uh, I when I first got into going through all of the watching through Doctor Who, um, I I included missing episodes, and I did watch reconstructions, and did um, I actually have some DVDs, like some DVDRs somewhere of reconstructions that I. I don't know, got off of youtube or something i don't know don't tell the bbc yeah. but <laughs> um i'm not yeah, seeing so. reconstructions but what's uh but it's good to hear that it sounds like the uh animated versions are going to be a, are coming back <laughs> yeah the... sounds like they're gonna continue so which i'm super happy about yeah. because uh you know we all want to all of those uh, those of us that are collecting them want this all to uh be a complete <laughs> set someday yeah. so uh, yeah it'll be Nice to see. I would like them to finish up the Hartnell stuff, and I know some of that's probably not the most fan popular choices. Like I don't know how many people are chomping at the bit to see, or like the Smugglers or um, Marco Polo. Marco Polo, animated, I think a lot of but, people would want to see. Yeah. But uh, I think like I, I, they probably need a slightly bigger budget to do that any sort of justice. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that that was my suspicion is some of the earlier historicals um have well larger casts and uh, a higher amount of like costumes and, and changes so stuff that they have to change in the character design so that just that equals more more time animating so it's, yeah. uh, well, I mean I, I would be I would look forward to seeing uh, the massacre and uh, the savages mm-hmm. personally <laughs> yep. Yeah, I would like to see, you know, not not that they can't go back and forth and do, you know, finish up the uh, Troughton era as well. Right. I mean, I I think there's some great stuff there that uh, isn't. Um, honestly, it's the historicals. Like I can't, they haven't really touched on a lot of them. Like we got to, I feel like we got to see the Highlanders at some point. Right. right? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. an important one. Like. <laughs> but, yeah. And maybe they can redo some of the animation of. Uh... Shoot, what's the uh, the reign of terror? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like maybe we could, uh, if, if if there's an interest in it, someday maybe we can get a little bit better animated versions of some of them. But I'm I'm not gonna gripe because I'm happy they exist. Period. Yeah. So like, there was certainly yeah. still a lot of like uh, discussion at uh, Galley about you know with Disney's entry into the scene. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> you know? Does that mean yeah. there's actually more money to do these sort of things, and <laughs> is it something I would like to Disney think so, would but do itself yeah. or so? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, uh, from the way it's been described by everybody involved, is at this point it's just kind of a big distribution deal. Right. So, but we'll I know, but Russell 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 Davies seems to be a master of uh, getting <laughs> resources. So he does. <laughs> yep. I'm very optimistic about <laughs> yes. the future of Doctor Who, actually, and and it's it's so weird because there's so much negative about it, like and, and especially that the Chibnall era. But um, yeah, I actually am fairly optimistic about the future. It's I think it'll be. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Yeah, Let's no, just say no, that. No, so. No. <laughs> uh, 
cool. I guess that just leaves us with one other extra thing, or one other thing to do, and that is uh, push the button on the machine we call the randomizer and uh, see what we're going to be reviewing next time. And next time we are going to be looking at another volume in the Black Archive series, this one number 24, that is about the Time Warrior, uh, written by Matthew Kilburn. Uh, for those who are familiar, the Black Archive is a series of nonfiction uh, analytical books about specific episodes of Doctor Who. So this is an entire book about the story of the Time Warrior. Uh, we had previously uh, read and discussed an entire book on the story of the 11th Hour. Uh, if you want to hear that one, uh, check out our list of books episodes on our SoundCloud page or whatever podcast software you use. I'm sure you can uh, go back through our old episodes and find that one. Um, but yeah, hope you'll... Uh, Come along and join us for the discussion of the Black Archive 24, The Time Warrior, next time. So I love The Time Warrior, so I'm so, looking forward to seeing what they uh, have to say about it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's, it's one of those stories, like, I love the Black Archive series uh, in, in concept, and in our first um, foray into it, uh, I, I ended up just really, really enjoying that book. Yeah. And um, so I'm looking forward to getting into this one, because I feel like, Maybe not every episode of Doctor Who warrants an entire book, but I feel like this is one that might. So, <laughs> well, we'll see what they have to but say. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Assad, for joining me, and thank yes. you for trekking through the entire Hartnell era in uh, that book. And um, yes, it was we'll, fun. Uh, I enjoyed it, although it did take good. a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, all we have. Uh, if you would like to let us know what you think about the uh the handbook the first doctor years um or anything else we read on the show uh reach out to us via our facebook page or on twitter at police box pod and um or just send us a good old-fashioned email at police box podcast at gmail.com and uh we will get back to you and uh, if you if you would like even read your review of the uh, material on the show um other than that, that's all I got for you tonight. Uh, I'd like to thank, once again, thanks, Asad, for joining me. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we will uh, see you again next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. A proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. Join Eric, Asad, and Matthew next time for another random review from the worlds of Doctor Who. Everything ends. As always, sad. Send your feedback to policeboxpodcast at gmail.com and remember if you take the time to write it, we'll take the time to read it. Until next time. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. It's the end that the moment has been prepared for. The Doctor Who theme was composed by Ron Grainer and arranged as Doctor Who retro theme by Neon Frontier. All rights to Doctor Who and its related materials belong to the BBC. Some of there's danger. Some of there's injustice. Somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Ace. We've got work to do. Direction point. Direction point. A Doctor Who podcast network. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. 
We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our Doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong Doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Police Box in a Junkyard. The vervoids are probably the best dirty joke in Doctor Who. They're hermaphroditic plants. A lot of plants are. So there you go. That's it's based on science. No, they'll ship anything. There are probably eleven and handle shippers out there. You just have to drill a hole where his mouth is, and you're all set. You know he needs the room. I've seen it in pictures. I'm not saying you're not a fan. I'm saying you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Doctor Who gives a a drunken Doctor Who podcast for the end times. Mm.